Now, at the very first Easter, the very first resurrection of Jesus Christ, about 2,000 years ago, there is a refrain that you hear very consistently, and it's intentional. The angel shows up at Easter morning, and here the women who are coming in, wanting to see the tomb of Jesus on the third day, and when they come in, they see the angel sitting on the stone. They are terrified. And the angel says, do not be afraid. Matthew 28, verse 5. So the first words after the resurrection was, do not be afraid by the angel. Now, a little bit later, Jesus appears to a group of women who are coming in with spices, heartbroken, Terrified, Jesus shows up among them, and guess what he tells them? The first words of Jesus after he resurrected from the dead was, Do not be afraid. Matthew 28, verse 8. A little bit later, Jesus goes into his disciples who locked themselves, hiding, afraid. He shows up in their midst. What does he say? Do not be afraid. Peace be with you. So you see, the, the words of Jesus after he rose from the dead, spoken by the angel, spoken by Jesus twice, is do not be afraid. And this same phrase, do not be afraid, is the most common command in the entire Bible that God gives. Over and over again, God says, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, fear not, do not be afraid. As a matter of fact, it is listed 365 times in the Bible. Why do you think God wrote it 365 times? So that every day of your waking life, God tells you, do not be afraid. God is saying, I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to live that fearless life. Now, here's the issue with that. You see, fear is mankind's, humankind's most common problem. And it's a universal problem. Babies fear. Teenagers fear. Middle-aged folks fear. Old people fear. Black, white whatever, the rich, the poor, whatever station of life you are in, it is a common universal problem. Now, the, the first recorded words of mankind, Adam in the garden, you remember what it is? Genesis 3.10. What did Adam say? I was afraid, so I what? And time and time again, we are riddled with fear. After that, human beings, we've been fearing each other and fearing God and hiding from each other and hiding in relationships. We wear masks around. It's a common problem. Now, you may be thinking, you say, well, you know, I'm not really a very fearful person. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Chances are... <laughs> Most of the things you do, most of the choices you do in life, consciously or unconsciously, is based on hidden fears. You make decisions every single day of life based on hidden fears. It could be something as simple as, what am I going to wear today? 
And the hidden fear in that is, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be rejected. I want to fit in, therefore, this is what I'm going to wear. Well, those are hidden fears that drive your actions. Now, just in case you don't think you've ever had a problem with fear, let me give you some of the alternative words. Let me give you some expressions or flavors of fear. Do you ever get anxious? That's fear. Do you ever feel worried? That's fear. Do you ever feel sleepless? Tossing and turning, you can't really just get to a relaxed place where you can rest. A lot of things going through your mind. What's that? Fear. Do you ever get troubled? Do you get concerned? Are you cautious? Those are all what? Symptoms of what? Fear. Do you feel tense? Nervous? Are you fretful sometimes? Do you get uneasy sometimes? Do you feel upset or angry? Well, the motivation, most of anger stems from fear. You say, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about fear. What's fear got to do with anger? Half the time, my brother, my sister, when you get angry, it's because you're afraid. Somebody has poked a fear in you and that elicits fear. You're afraid when you're not being heard, so you get angry. You're afraid when you don't, you're not understood, and so you, we get angry. We're afraid when we are not being valued, and so the expression of that fear is what? Anger. Somebody disrespects you or dismisses you, and you get mad, you get angry. Well, the, the, the driver is what? Fear. You're afraid you're not going to be treated with respect, and so you get angry. Have you ever been in a place where you feel like you've been disrespected? You've been dissed? What happens? You get mad. Sometimes you just say, I'm not coming here anymore. <laughs> right? What's that? So anger is coming from what? Fear. Now, if I were to put on the screen here a list of, of things that drive anger in our lives... I think I will make the point clear. But so, so let me give you a short list. I will give you hundreds of them. There's the fear of being out of control. You, you're afraid that you can be out of control, that you could just be excessive in whatever, in the way you talk, how you spend your money, how you relate to people, anything. So the fear of being out of control. That, that's a real fear. There's the fear of losing control also. <laughs> A lot of people say a huge amount of fear. I could just lose control. Lose control of something in my life. The fear of that. Well, I mean, how about the fear of rejection? Fear of loneliness. What's going to happen when my kids grow up and they leave and this happens and it happens and then I'm lonely all by myself? That's, that's a real fear that people experience. What about the fear of failure? That I could just blow it. I mean, I don't think I should really move forward with this because I could fail and then I'll make a fool of myself. There's a real fear, right? How about the fear, the, the feeling like you are a failure? It's real, right? You feel like you're trying the best you can in life and like you're not meeting your goals or aspirations and so you, you just put upon yourself the fear of like, you know what, I think this endeavor that I'm on 
I'm not cutting it. Fear of feeling like a failure. How about the fear of inadequacy? That you don't measure up. You, you, you don't have what it takes. And so, just within you, you are afraid. How about the fear of being manipulated? The fear of being found out, right? I mean... I mean, all of us, including myself, I should raise both hands out. There are some things that, have, that are in my life that I never want you to know. Everybody. God says, there's not perfect. No, not one. And so there, innately, there is the fear of being found. If somebody found out something about myself, my life, my family, my background, my experiences, some of the things that I've done or some of the things that, that is not really cool about my life, people may not like me. And so innately, as humans, just like Adam... We have the capacity to live in fear. Oh, this may be real to people. How about the fear of losing your job? The fear of losing your marriage. The fear of losing your mind. It's a fear of many people. Fear of Alzheimer's. Fear of cancer. We are in a COVID situation. The fear of COVID. What happens if I catch Real. Now, I'm setting this all up not to give you bad news, but to tee you up for the good news. (laughs) And that is the good news of Easter. Easter is not just a one-time event where it's like, hey, this is Good Friday. Hey, this is Easter Sunday. No, no, no. Our life, our life is based on Easter. As believers, every moment that we are alive is an Easter moment. And that is the good news. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, my brother, my sister, there is now a way to live without fear. If you understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The angel wasn't kidding when God sent him down and says, go. And the very first thing I want you to say is do not be afraid. The very first words Jesus mentioned when he rose from the dead is do not be afraid. When he met the disciples, didn't give them any commandment, didn't preach a ceremony. He says, do not be afraid. Because fear is the one thing that the enemy will, will lock you up and harass you and cause you not to live that fulfilled life. And what I wanted to do today, and then I'll continue next week, is to help all of us learn how to live fearlessly. Because when you live a life of no fear, you are ready to live that abundant life. Look at what the Bible says. The first portion of Scripture, the, 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 the next portion of Scripture on your outline, it's going to be on the screen in a moment. I'm saying Corinthians 5.15 in a message paraphrase. Let me, let's read that together, wherever you are. He says what? Jesus included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. That's Easter right there, right? And what does it mean? What does it mean? He says, this translates to what? A resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Notice this, my brother, my sister. Living based on what we know about the resurrection, the Bible calls it a better life. You say, Brother Mike, I've got a good life. Good for you. You may have a good life. 
You see, when you are looking good and feeling good and have the goods, you are living the good life. But God comes around and says, the good life is not good enough. I have what? A better life. Hello? So when you look at yourself and you drive a nice car, you live and you've got a few gadgets at home, you've got a few appliances, you've got a smartphone in your pocket, and you've got a, a few toys around, you feel like, hey, you know what? I'm living a good life. I look good. I feel good. I have the goods. God comes and says, that's not what I created you for. I didn't come and die so you can live the good life. I came to die so you can live what? A far better life. A far better life. So the good life is not good enough. We all know that, right? The good life is not good enough. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Good life is not good enough. Good life is not good enough. And we all know that. You say, well, boy, if I just went to school and graduated, I'll be the happiest person on the face of the earth. You can have a lot of diplomas on the wall and still not be content and fulfilled in life. If I get married, I'll be happy. If I, if I travel, I'll be happy. If I... Go on this trip, have a vacation, drive this car. You can check a bunch of stuff on your, on your to-do list and still not be fulfilled because the good life isn't good enough. But God says, hey, I got something there. Resurrected life, a far better life. And, and my brother and sister, I hope that this week you will really get it and we'll pick it up. We'll pick the rest of the message next week. That this resurrected far better life is based on the resurrection life of Jesus. That gives us a far better life that you could never have on your own. Look at the next verse. The next, the next verse in your outline up on the screen. Romans 8.15. I love this. In the message, paraphrasing the New Living Translation. Let's read that together. You see, the Bible is its own encyclopedia. So if you just haven't figured out what this resurrected life is, what this far better life is, the Bible explains all that a little bit. So let's, let's go and pick it up. Let's go and pick it up. He says what? This what? Resurrection life you receive from God's spirit is not what? It's not what? It's not a fearful life. You are no longer a slave of fear anymore. Instead, God's spirit makes you a child and you now relate to God as your what? Loving father. So when Adam says, God, I blew it, and so I'm hiding from you, I'm afraid. God is saying, yeah, you can blow it in life. All of us have blown it, but Jesus came so that we are not silent in fear and living life. Though it may be good to you or maybe good to the standards of this world, missing on this far better life. Or we sing a song here in this church. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Remember that song? I am a child of God. Why is that possible? It's possible because of what? Easter. This resurrection life you receive from God's spirit is not a fearful life. Can you remember that this week? That Easter is about you living a life of freedom, living a life of peace, living a life of fulfillment, of contentment, living a life under God's power that all the fear resembles is being dealt with in your life because Jesus rose from the dead. So why can we now live fearlessly? How in the world that something that happened 2,000 years ago can help me to be able to live a life of no fear? Well, the answer is it's pretty simple because of what we know about the resurrection. 
Because of the facts of the resurrection, because of the truths of the resurrection, we can live this boundless life, this unhibited life. It, 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 regardless of your past, your challenges, your problems, your weaknesses, your mistakes, your sins, your faults, regardless of that, God says, because of Easter. When you understand the benefits of Easter, the power of Easter, the glory of Easter, why in the world God himself came as human and stretched his arms and died a gruesome death for you. When you understand that, embrace that, live it. Fear is gone. And when you are not afraid to live, you are pretty successful. Right? <laughs> Amen. So I want to give you quickly, it's about five truths, but today I will touch on three. Hope I do a good, good, good job with that. I want to be mindful of time these days. I'll give you three. You can live a fearless life, a no-fear life, where you are charged off to accomplish everything God has for you because of resurrection, because of the facts of resurrection, because of the truths of Easter. And the first truth is this. The first truth is this, number one. We know that Jesus tells us the truth. We know that Jesus tells us the truth. Now, I don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but essentially, here's the point. Throughout history, a lot of people have claimed to be God. A lot of people have claimed to be the Messiah. A lot of people have come claiming to be the Son of God. But only one in all of history offered a proof. And the proof was very simple. He says, guess what? I'm going to die for three days, and then I'm going to resurrect from the dead. Not be resuscitated. See, you, you can die and be resuscitated after 10 minutes or 50. You've had people like that, like one hour they died and then they got resuscitated. Now, this is not a, a resuscitation. This is what a resurrection. Died cold three days in a tomb and with all kinds of spices wrapped around him and then poof, rose from the dead. And he gave us this proof. He gave us this proof. And he says, look, everything that I told you, everything that I'm telling you, the reason it's true is because I will prove that to you by dying and resurrected from the dead. And Jesus came and, and made some bombastic statements. He came and told us amazing, over 7,000 promises. He came and said, I am God. He said, I created the whole universe. He said, I am the only way to heaven. He, he, he's either for real or he's a lunatic. And he says, the only reason you know that what I'm telling you is true is that I will die and I will, three days, I will be resurrected from the dead. In three days when he rose from the dead and the tomb was empty and eyewitnesses all around saw him, we as believers... Know that he lives because he's still working miracles. All the things that he's saying, he's doing it in our lives. We know that he's telling the truth. He's telling the truth. And it's a big deal when you now know that, wow, what God says about your life will come through. Now you're not living 
in fear because the enemy wants you to live in fear. You're going to die. You're going to lose your job. Nobody cares about you. You're going to fail. Horrible things will happen to you. And all these fearisms clog your heart and your mind. And you have nothing to, to speak against that. You have nothing to throw against that. But now God says, you need to believe it because I have validated the proof that what I said I will do. I rose from the dead. Look at Romans 1.14. Romans 1.4. Look, I mean, look at Romans 1.4. Look at Romans 1.4. It's right there on, your, on the screen. Let's read that together. It says what? He, Jesus, was what? Shown to be who? The Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is what? Christ our Lord. He is for real. If he says, I am the truth and the life, he says, if you believe in me, you have eternal life. He's proven that he rose from the dead. If he says, I came to destroy the works of the enemy, you better believe that. He says, I've got a home in heaven for you, a mansion, and I will come and take you. And, and where I am, you're going to be there also. Every promise he's made, it means it's for real, and therefore you can take it to the bank. You don't have to live. And fear anymore. When you realize that you've got a friend, a Lord, a Savior, a Master, a Protector, a Deliverer, a Provider, who is for real, it's not about you anymore. Because you know that the God that you serve, the lover of your soul, the Savior of your life is for real. And everything he is and represents translates to you. And now you can live not the good life, but you can live for it. Far better life. Amen? Somebody says, I will show you something you don't know. You look at this, you don't know what you're talking about. When you fall, you know you're going to rise because Jesus said it. Amen? He said, he said you know, he'll keep you as blameless before the throne of grace. He's made so many promises over 7,000 oppressed. Now you have every reason to believe that because he validated it when he rose from the dead. Now let me give you a second proof, a second reason. That ought to lower the fear factor in your life. Because of the resurrection, we know that what? Death is not the end. Say that with me forever. We know that what? Death is not the end. Listen, if you are afraid to die, you cannot live the far better life. I mean, hello? You are not ready to live unless you are not afraid to die. Death is the last blow. Death is the enemy's greatest weapon. Death is something that's going to happen to everybody that most people are afraid. But when you are no longer afraid of death, you are really ready not to live the good life, but what? The far, oh my Lord. I might just preach it to myself today. <laughs> now, before Easter, death was the final blow. It's like, why are we here? Maximum is 100 years, and only a few people are going to get that. Right? You heard Prince Philip passed away at 99 years old. Two months from now, they were having a big shinding, big blast. <laughs> people still are holding their invitations. Now they can't go. But death is no respect of persons. It comes to the young, the old, the rich, the poor. The strong, the weak. The famous and the nobodies. And it's the greatest fear in life. It's the greatest fear in life. I'm afraid I'm going to die. I'm afraid I'm going to die. 
Anybody outside of Christ tells you they're not afraid to die, they are pretending. But because of Easter, as God's people, we have victory over death. Say that with me. We have what? Victory over death. Look at this amazing portion of Scripture in Hebrews 2.14. Hebrews 2.14. You ought to love this stuff. See, everything we're talking about is about the death, the resurrection of Jesus, Easter, 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 Easter. Look at me. Hebrews 2.14. Jesus became flesh and blood by being born in human flesh. And only by dying, you see that his death and his resurrection, could he break the power of the devil who has won the power of death. And only in this way could he won deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, the devil who has the power of death, it has been broken and we have been delivered from the fear of what? Dying. If somebody tells you, I'll show you something, you look at that and you, you, <laughs> you will show me something. I've been delivered from the fear of dying. Oh, my brother, my sister. Let me paraphrase that, this, this verse here. It says, Jesus died resurrected in order to break Satan's power of death so that he will set us free <laughs> who have been enslaved to the fear of dying. Would you agree that the number one fear in life is the fear of dying? As humans, we, are, we were born to die. Like I said, hindrance is the mask. Mask. Like every day, you, you are closer to your death than anything else. Only if you get 90, right? 60 is is good, 65, 70, so forth, but the clock is ticking. But what if you're not afraid to die? What if you know, you know that because of the resurrection, death is only a transition? What if you know today that your life is not only clocked in a period of 60, 70, 75, 80, or even 90 or 99 years old, but what happens after you leave this world? You're going to be living... Trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions in a cool place where God says a mansion with your name on it. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you and I'll come and take you so that you will be where I am forever. And death is only a transition into the forever life. When you know that, you are not afraid to die. As you know, as your friend and pastor, I'm not afraid to die. Looking forward to that day. Not trying to precipitate that, but on that day, it will be the happiest day of my life. Because everything that Jesus talked about heaven, it makes living here, the good life, look like we are living in a garbage can. You believe that? Man, I got a nice house, and I like my dishwasher. I like my flat skin trivi. My Persian rug is too cool. You know, my refrigerator is wonderful. All the meals I can cook or buy is wonderful. If you really love that, let me tell you, in heaven, what the Bible says about that, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It says you can't even figure it. You haven't seen that. You haven't seen that. There's no human description 
to be able to tell you what's waiting in trillions and trillions of years. Look at what the Bible says. The next portion of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.14. He said, there is no fear knowing that death has been swallowed up in victory because of Easter. So you can live that fearless life, that confident life, that joyful life. You can go after your dreams. Go after your dreams with all your heart. Let's read that together. It says, we know. I love this portion of scripture. We know that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will also do what? Raise us with Jesus. Hello? Where is the fear of death? The enemy's final blow has been eliminated, has been mitigated. Destroyed. We know this. We know this. Oh man, I don't want to spend so much time on this. See, the English language is not a great language. It's a very loose language. For those of you who speak other indigenous languages, there are different ways you can say things, but in the English language, we're very, we're very, the word no, like the word love. I I love French fries. (laughs) I love my car. I love the shoes that I'm wearing. Is it the same? (laughs) I love my kids. Right? If I share that with somebody who really can speak those indigenous languages, you'll think I'm crazy. You love your kids and you love your shoe also. <laughs> and you love this movie also. <laughs> you see, there are four levels of no. I'll be real quick. The first, the, the first level of no is knowledge of a fact. You know you are in church today. That's not what he's talking about. We know that's not, that this is not a knowledge of a fact beyond that. There's also know-how. You know how to do things. Some of you drove here. You know how to drive. You know how to cook. You know how to sew. A brother here knows, knows really things about sound and technology and, uh, and, and uh, so forth and so on. You know, that's know-how. The third level of know is known about somebody. Right? So you say, yeah, you know, Pastor Mike, I, I, I know him. I know him. When you say that, somebody gets, understand, oh, you know him. Right? You see people dropping names. Oh, I know so-and-so. I went to school with them. I know them. I know them. I know them. Right? And, and that's important to an extent. So sometimes when you fill up a job application, they don't know you. They say, why don't you give us some references? Look at your references, who you're putting on your reference list to try to figure out who you are. So you know somebody. And, and it's a fourth level of knowing. There's a gut feeling and knowing. That confident you know that you know that you know that. You can't describe that. It is edge in your heart and your mind. It's indelible in you. He says, we know that the same God, we know this. Even when we can't speak it, we can't describe it, we can't tell it, we relate to it, we are connected with it. This is our life. We know that God rose Jesus from the dead. And so we are in that equation. We know that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us up. We know that. It's a confident knowing. Somebody says, prove it to me, prove it to me, prove it to me. There's nothing I can, I can, I can, I can't, I can't put it in human words. It, I, it's going to be weak. I know that. Confident knowledge. You know that you know that you know. 
understanding, an engagement with the truth, an appreciation, a connection, a belief, where you live it, you breathe it, you talk it. We know <laughs> that the same God, the same power that rose, rolled the stone away, the same anointing that caused the earthquake to come in and there was darkness all over the face of the earth, the same breakthrough that shattered the veil, the curtain the temple into two, brought darkness all over that same power, that same heavenly move of God, that same God that rose Jesus for that same power that shattered death, doom, devil, damnation. It will raise us up when we breathe our last. See, Pastor Mac, so what does it mean for my everyday language? You see the next word? This is why we never would. You see fearless living? Because you know death has been conquered, broken, destroyed. It is not a fear factor in your life anymore. Therefore, you never give up. Even when you are kicked down, when you are stamping over, people are calling you names. They tell you, no, you've been denied. You've been declined. Every door has been shut in your face left and right. You never give up. Because you know, even death, the final blow, has been conquered in victory. And God still got your number. He's never through with you. You are coming back. You are coming back. We never give up, even though our physical bodies are becoming older and weaker. Our spirit inside us is made <laughs> new energy. What? Every single day, we get new energy, new power, resurrection power. Oh, God. Glory to Almighty God. You say, how, why, what, what, what does this have to do with my fears? You're still going to have problems in life. You're still going to have pressure and pain in life. But you never have fear of the future. And when that is eliminated in your life, you can live. Even when you have pain, pressure, and pain in life, which is inevitable. God says in this world you have trouble. But you're not afraid. When you get sick and they wheel you into an ambulance, you're not afraid. Even when a doctor looks at you and says, you know, your numbers doesn't look good. I think uh, you just have to call the family members, call your pastor and see what they can do. But everything we can do is limited. We're just going to try to make you comfortable. You look at them in the face. You say, how many more hours do I have? How, how, how long? I'm leaving this world? I'm going to be transported to heaven. Jesus is going to come take me. I will see him face to face. People will be crying around you and you'll be laughing at them. Just as Jesus said, weep not for me. Don't, don't, don't weep for me. <laughs> I'm going to a better place. But you mind your own business while you're down here because where I'm going is a better place. Even though things may not be going well right now, it says it won't last very long. Put that on the screen one more. It won't last very long. 
It won't last very long. You see that side, it says it won't last very long. Or take us to the next one, the next one. It says, and the present troubles we are going through right now are quite what? Because of Easter, everything you will ever face on earth, God looks at and says, it pales in comparison to what's ahead of you, and they won't last very long. When you look at your problems, God wants you to size them the way he's sizing them. They are small, and they won't last very long. If you factor this into every fear mechanism in your life, the ground around you may be shaking, but inside, you, and you may be shaking too on the outside, but on the inside, you are solid as a rock. Because the fear of death has been eliminated. Your present troubles. <laughs> every time you run into trouble, pressure, pain, would you speak this word to it? Speak this word because of the resurrection of Jesus. The power of God that rose Jesus from the dead has awakened me. And so what I'm going through right now is small and it won't last very long. You got to tell it. Tell, tell your fear to go talk to Jesus. But it says they are producing. That's a good word. Because when you're going through pressure and pain, and trouble in your life, you don't think they are producing you. You think they are reducing you. <laughs> but your problems are no longer reducing you. They are what? Producing. That's a good word, right? Productive. They are producing in us an eternal glory that's going to last forever. Amen, 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 amen. Now, Jesus could not be so blunt about this, about this truth. So blunt. He speaks that to Mary, to Martha, and to the crowd who are crying after Lazarus was dead, and he speaks that to us also. Look at John eleven twenty six. 26. It could not be that blunt. He could not be that direct. He could not really just have a bull's eye. Read that with me. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even afterward. Can you get that in your heart and your mind? So that, that the fear factor of dying is forever eliminated. Because when you're not afraid to die, you now really are ready not just to live the good life, but to live what? The far better life. When I die, guess what's happening? I'm going to live. <laughs> and is that a better life? Is that a fulfilled life? Is that a glorious life? You better believe that. Because Jesus had a lot to say about heaven. We know the truth because he says, I will prove this by rising from the dead. And when you see the third day, the tomb is empty and I'm alive forevermore. You know that everything I've told you was come to come to So number one, we can live this fear-free life. <laughs> this far better life. Where fear is not a factor in our life anymore. Fear does bad things to us. Fear will do bad things to your education, your goals. Your looks, your feelings, your marriage, your parenting, fear will do bad things to every area of your life. But when you are living that fearless life, oh, what a great way to live. You can live that fearless life, one, because Jesus always tells us the truth. He rose from the dead, and he said, this is the proof that I'm for real. All the promises that I've said to you are yea, amen. Number two, we can live that fearless, far better life because we know that death is not the end. Let me give you a third one. Let me give you a third one. Third and final one for today. And God will continue next week. 
We can live life fearlessly, victoriously, resurrection life, far better life than people could ever have their own because we know that God loves us extravagantly. I couldn't come up with a, a better word. I was searching so hard. I spent more time on what to put <laughs> beside the love of God than putting this message together. Uh, you know, if you, after church, if you think there is a, a far greater word than extravagant, let me know. And the next time I share this message, I'll change it and put your word in there. But you know, you, you know what I mean. God's love for you was extravagant. It's unconditional. It's over the top. You cannot even imagine And I'll share with you in a moment how, it's, how this is key to living that fearless, far better life. Oh, just allow me to walk you through that. Look at Romans 5.8. You should know this. God loves you a lot. And he demonstrated his love for you by coming to die for you. The resurrection is God's proof positive that he cares for you a lot. Who, who will die for you? If you can think of somebody who will die for you, call 911. Have a nice talk with them. They are suicidal. Don't entertain that. Only one person proved his love for you legitimately by what? Dying for you. Look at read, read this portion of scripture. Romans 5, 8. New Living Translation. God did what? Showed his great Love for us by sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still sinning, and we are still messing up, still breaking his heart. Why? He knew all about it. He knew he's an omniscient God, all known, all seeing God. He knew that we're going to lie, we're going to cheat, we're going to have problems, mistakes, we're going to bumble, we're going to have mistakes, and still he demonstrated his great, not just, just love, but great love for us by dying for us. And God showed us how much he loved us. I mean, listen here. You can say you love people, people when they act right and so forth. Right? But generally speaking, you're not going to go out there and love somebody who's doing something horrible and terrible and messing up and causing a lot of problems in the lives of people and so forth. Now, you might pray for them and show them Christian love, but you're not going to go all out for someone like that. Would you do that? Has anyone done that like that for you? <laughs> Let me have a nice talk with you. <laughs> have some conditional conversation with you. You stop doing these things, I might help you out. But that wasn't that. God's unconditional love. While we were still sinning, while we were still sinning, and we'll continue to sin, he demonstrated his love by time for us. And God just didn't say, I love you. He just didn't send a prophet to... To come and give us a message of his love and say, well, in the Bible, prophet so-and-so said this, or apostle so-and-so, disciple so-and-so said this, or he sent all these teachers to teach us about it. He came himself. He said, I'm coming in, in a, a human form, and I'm going to not just tell you that I love you. I will demonstrate it by dying. You want to know how much God loves you? Look at him on, his, on the cross and he says, I love you this much. With his arms outstretched, a crown of thorns on him, nails on his arms and his arms, pierced by his side, people mocking him, dying for your sins, taking the ultimate punishment and humiliation to demonstrate to you that I am taking your place because I love you extravagantly. 
Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, picks it up and he puts it in these terms. Ephesians 3, verse 18 and 19 in the Living Bible. He says, may you be able to do what? Feel and really understand. Don't let it just get into your head that Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so, for God so loved the world that he gave me. Feel it, experience it, get yourself to that place says, wow. If somebody bought a car for you, you probably feel an experience that's better than that. Somebody gave you a job, you probably relate that, man, he really cares, he really cares about me, but that's better than that. Somebody wrote a big check for you to pay all your bills, probably you're going to say, wow, this person really cares for me, but this is better than that. You feel, feel and really understand this. How long, how wide, how deep, how high God's love really is. And to experience this love yourself, though it's so great, you'll never see the end of it, or honest, you'll never see the end of it. The barrel, God's barrel of love for you will never get empty. Now let me pick on that a little bit. Notice the words. Long, wide, deep, and high. (laughs) God's love for you is long, How long is God going to keep loving you? Long enough to last through eternity. Here on this earth and beyond, when you see him face to face in heaven forever, that's how long God loves you. You tell me somebody who will love you this long. Human love wears out. Do you believe that? Look around you, there are a bunch of divorces around, a bunch of separations around, and people who used to go together are no longer together. We live that, we breathe that, we know that, we can relate to that. There is no one who will love you long enough till eternity and says, my love for you will never wear out. It will never wear out. Feel and understand how long God loves you. How much that God loves you, God loves you this wide. God's love is wide to be everywhere. <laughs> hey, Pastor Mike, you know, if things are looking good right now, but what's going to happen when I'm no longer around here, I leave this job, or this or this or this will happen. Wherever you are, God's love is there with you. Hello, hello, hello. Now, that would relieve your fears about tomorrow, about your future, every uncertainty you have. What's going to happen? What's going to happen when I travel? What's going to happen when I'm this or this? Even when you are shaking in your boots, you know, heights is not my friend. Every time I fly, I mean, it's like I'm a little little turbulence, and it's like I am praying so hard. No matter how I put music in my ear and then turn it all up, I don't like that turbulence. But even there, when you are in your most fear, God says, my love for you is this wide, it is everywhere. God's love for you, how how long, how wide. It tells you that my love for you is deep. As it means that God's love is deep, it says he's deep enough to be able to handle anything. (laughs) 
You name it. You name, you name something you can handle, something you can take, something you can bear, something you can stand, every phobia, everything. says, if this happened to me, this is what I'm going to do. I was at a, week, not a wakekeeping, a repass of a loved one, and uh, was sitting down after we did the burial and everything, and there were these, these ladies behind me. We're talking. What happened to Auntie so and so? If it happened to me, I would fall in water. I would drown. I would drown. And he said, You think about the worst thing that could ever happen to you, understand it. He says, God says, Feel and understand. Feel and connect. Feel and know that God's love is deep, deep enough to get down to your deepest problem. God says, when you go through the fire, I will be with you. When you go through the waters, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you till the end of time. Hello? Now, is that the good life or is that the far better life? I want you to be able to Feel and really understand how long, how wide, how deep. Now, as though that was not enough, it says, I want you to be able to understand how high, how high God's love is. God's love is high enough to overlook your faults. God's love is high enough to overlook your sins, your bad decisions, your mistakes, high enough to overlook it all. And still relate to you with grace, mercy, and compassion. And regardless of what you've done, my brother, in the past, currently, or in the future, God offers unconditional forgiveness for you as his child. Now, that ought to cause you to sleep well at night. You know, Paul was lost out of words when he picked up this revelation from God. Romans 8, 38-39. He was out of words. When it says, look, when you know how extravagant God loves you, when you embrace it, when you live it, when you consume it, when you can speak it, say it, live it, breathe it, relate to it, it's a big deal. Look at this amazing portion of scripture. Uh, Romans 8, verse 38 to 39. Please take us there. He says, what, nothing will ever separate us from God's love. Now, that ought to be just enough. God should, the, the scripture should have just ended right there and let us fill in the blanks ourselves, right? Now, what's... What is included in nothing? Everything. What is not included in nothing? Nothing. Nothing will ever separate you from God. Nothing will ever shake God's love away from you. (laughs) Now the Bible is its own encyclopedia. The Bible is its own resource. It's its own reference. So... It says, let me, let me help you out. If you are confused by the first, then let's go deeper. Right? Now, we go to school and they tell us that if you're commuting first, tell people what you're going to tell them. Right? Remember? And then tell it to them. And then in closing, remind them what you told them. Summarize what you told them. So God tells it, says, nothing will separate you from the love of God. I want to tell you this. Now, let me really tell it to you. Now, let's go read. Death can't. And life can't the angels can't the demons can't our fears for today can't our worries about tomorrow 
can't, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love. This is crazy love, ridiculous love. This is extravagant love. This is the reckless love of God that we sang earlier. This is like, what is too much, too much, too much, too much, too much. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Next. It says what nothing in all creation, nothing in all, you fill in the blanks. Is there any, nothing in all creation? When I get bankrupt, when I lose my job, when the, I don't have any spouse, when I'm going through divorce, when I'm sick, when the kids don't love me anymore, when death comes to my family, when, whatever it is, you name it, you name it, nothing in all creation. There's nothing that can happen to you that will shake up God's world. We're able to separate us from the love of God, demonstrated by our Lord Christ Jesus, when he what? He died for us. You see Easter right there? Far better life. <laughs> Not the good life. Quit chasing after the good life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Embrace the Father. Lord. Is anyone feeling this message today? Am I the only one who is so excited about Easter? Glory to Almighty God. There is nothing, 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 nada, 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 zilch, zero, nothing, nothing. That I might lose it all. I might even lose my mind, but I cannot lose God's love for me. I can't, I can't outdo it. I can't wrong it. I can't outmad God. I can't mess up so bad that God's going to say, I'm kicking you and I, I'm, I'm never going to extend my love ever to you. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate. God knew all about that. And he still died for you and opened the, the doors, the passage, the kingdom of heaven and wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life and aged your name, the Bible says, in the palm of his hand so that forever you are yoked with God. Now let me ask the question as I close. Let me ask the question. Have you ever accepted this love of God? You see, people can love you, but if you don't accept that love, it's ineffective. It's worthless, right? It becomes unwanted love. Have you ever had somebody who loved you and you just don't want to see them at all? Get away from me. <laughs> and if they start stalking you, you want to call the police or even have a restraining order? <laughs> Shut up, man. So you could really slam the door in God's face with his love. Even though God's love is extravagant, God's love is reckless. You got to accept it for that to be worth it for you. He's a perfect gentleman. The, en- the, 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 the enemy is a bully. He will stream into your life uninvited, but God wants your participation, your involvement, your acceptance. It's all he wants from you. to Accept my love. Accept my love. Have you accepted the love of God? Have you accepted this outrageous love? Because that's the key. You know, sometimes I hear people say, Pastor Mike, my problem is I don't love God enough. That's not your problem. That's not your problem. You can't love God enough. True. Hey, people say, I don't have enough faith. True. You don't have enough faith. See, the issue here is not how much you love God because you can't love God enough. You can try, you can attempt. The issue here is have you accepted the love of God? Everything turns on that wheel. Because when you receive the love of God, 
Accept the love of God. Live the love of God. Breathe the love of God. Realize that I am accepted by God. I am loved by God. That is a game changer in your life. And now you can then reciprocate the love of God. So the next time somebody comes to tell you, I don't love God enough, ask them several questions. Have you received the love of God? Because when you receive God's love, you, you, you will reciprocate. Somebody really loves you and you, you accept that love. Naturally, you'll be drawn to that person. So it's not, it's not, I don't love God enough or I don't have enough faith in God. No, it is, have I received the love of God? As many as received him and believed in him, he gave them the right to become children. This is not a ritual. This is not something that you got to have to work for it. You receive it. When you receive the love of God, my brother, my sister, big things happen to you. Because the antidote, the antidote to fear in your life, my brother, my sister, is not faith. You say, well, if I have faith, in, then I can handle every fear. No, 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 no. You could have fear in your life and that fear will knock out your faith. <laughs> the antidote to fear in your life is what? Love. Because when you receive the love of God and abide and live in the love of God, you'll be fearless. I'll give you an example. You can have a kid who is just afraid of <laughs> spiders and cockroaches will never go in the basement, but when they're in love, they'll be in the darkness. Dogs will be barking. <laughs> They'll be hearing funny noises and they will want to be with that honey, that lover, that person who loves them. People will say, don't talk to that boy. Don't go here anymore. They are scared. What's happened? He says, you don't know what I'm talking about. But he loves me. And she loves me. That's all enough. Love conquers fear. Love defeats fear. Hello? You say, I, I really need strong faith. I need strong faith. I don't have strong faith. Receive the love of God. Accept the love of God. Dwell in the love of God. Rejoice in the love of God. Appreciate the love of God. Thank God for his love for you. Embrace the love of God. It opens you up, my brother, my sister, to love God back. You now have the capacity to love. He first loved you to show you how you can respond in love to him based on how he's loved you. 1 John 4.18 is an amazing portion of scripture. I love that my brother put it up. Where God's love is, there's what? There's what? He said, I need, I need faith. I need faith so I'm not afraid. I need faith so that I can, I can, I can be macho. This, 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 is not a, this is not a macho thing. No. Not how tough you are. Because <laughs> this world will throw you a curveball and you realize that you and I don't have enough faith, don't have enough macho-ness. We don't even have enough scripture, enough promises of God to face life blows. But what it boils down to is even when tears are running down your cheeks, when you know that I'm being loved. And as humans, we, are, we understand that we relate to that. That's why when a loved one is hurting, what do we do? We try to get close to them and we try to hold your hand. Why do we do that? Do you see two, love, two people loving, holding your hands in the park? Wait, that's so cute, isn't that? Why are they doing that? Because love is powerful. It's fearless. 
It's empowering. It's engaging. Where God's love is, there is no fear because God's perfect love, that's what drives us. Fear. You could be in debt. You, you could have oh, eviction notice right there that tomorrow you don't know where you're going to live. You could, be in, you could be sick. You could have people who hate your guts. You could have all kinds of denials that are slamming you in the face. But when you have the love of God, the love of God, you are not afraid that the battle must fall out. You believe you know that and a good day, a good day will come my way. Look at the B side of this version of scripture in the message translation. I love that. Well formed love banishes. Banishes fear, destroys fear, eliminates fear, crushes fear. Come up with another adjective. Matches well formed love. You could have a kid who will be afraid to cross the street. But when adults is holding their hand, there could be truckers, tones, all kinds of big cars coming down the street, and this kid holding your hand will be waving to the drink. <laughs> come on, let's go, let's go. <laughs> let's go, come on, come on, come on, come on. But, but, but by themselves, no, I, I can't go. No, no, hey, hey, look at all these guys, look at all these people out there. But when they're holding, holding the hand of the adult, they feel powerful, they feel strong. Well formed love banishes fear. And it says, since fear is crippling, do you believe that everything we're talking about is the God says, I, 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 I came so that you will not have the fear factor crippling your life. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life is one that is not yet fully formed in God's love. My encouragement to you, my brother, my sister, is to get to that place in your life. You receive the love of God. You embrace the love of God. Don't overthink it. That is not like you. It's not like your mom, your dad, your friend, your neighbor, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband. Your boss, your mayor. He's better than all. There's no equal to the love of God. Unconditional love. Extravagant love. Reckless love. A love that stands on its own. It says, when you receive this love of God, you are in a, in, a, in a far better place in your life. A crippling fear, fearful fear is now no longer a factor in your life. Now you are ready to go after your dreams. To be able to fulfill everything that God has in store for you. Oh, as I, as I close this message, I, I want us to pray. You've heard of the benefits of Easter. Far better life. We receive God's spirit not to be fearful anymore. That crippling fear is no longer a factor in our life. Let me review. The reason I don't have to be afraid anymore is because Jesus tells me the truth. And everything he said about my life, everything he's spoken about, his promises for my life. It shall come to pass. Say that with me. It shall come to pass. So I'm going to live my life by the truth. You'll know the truth, and the truth will what? The, the devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. 
He destroys by deception. And I'm going to kick him to the cab when he comes in with lies in my mind and my brain to try to distract me. Jesus has proved himself that he's the real deal. And so every promise made about my life, I receive it with joy, with thanksgiving. It shall come to pass. Therefore, I am living that fearless life. To go after my dreams with passion. Number two. I know that 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 I know I know I know that death is not the end of my life. You should know that death is not the end of your life. And when you are not afraid to die, <laughs> you are ready to live. Even in your old age, when God gives you an unction, a function, a desire, a passion on your heart, you don't say, well, I'm too old. Or I'm too weak. Or I don't have the money. Or you, you don't come up with all these fear excuses. And you know what the excuse that is? If you don't want to do anything, you can come up with a million excuses why not to do that. Do you believe that? If you don't want to come to church today, you could have come up with 500 reasons why you don't want to be here today. It may sound right to you, but it doesn't make it right. But when... The crippling fear of death is eliminated in your life. You can even tell your own heart, your own soul. Why are you holding me back? I will arise and live the life of the dream that God has placed on me by the power of Almighty God. <laughs> and when you feel and experience the extravagant love of God, a love that you can never give to anyone or anyone can give to you, but when receive it from your loving father creator God himself who demonstrated his great love for you by dying on the cross for your sins and proving to you how much, how long, how wide, how deep how high, how mighty his love for you is you embrace this love when this, you embrace the love of God that tells you you are worth it. Say that to yourself. You are what? Worth it. You are worth it. <laughs> you are unstoppable. The world hasn't seen your kind. Everything that happened before this episode where you feel and experience the love of God, you are unstoppable. You are what? Unstoppable. You are worth it. You are say that to yourself and look at somebody next to you and says, You are worth it. You are worth it. You are worth it. You are worth it. And anyone hearing me now or later on this message, you are worth it. God loved you so much that he died for you to demonstrate his great love for you. And so because of that, you can live not a good life, but a far better life. God calls a resurrection life that people can never have on their own. Will you get into a prayer posture? Whatever your prayer posture is, whether you close your eyes or you... But I want you to spend a few minutes while we, we're ending this, uh, our time together. In a prayer mode, and tell God, I want this. Tell God, take a few minutes. We're not going to... 
spend too much time. So take advantage of this time. Say, God, I want this far better life. I want this fearless life. I want it. I want it. I really want it. Because I can't have it by myself. Education won't bring it to me. My friends, my families, my health, the society that I'm in won't give it to me. But you, Lord, I want it. I want this far better life. I want, just say that, you know, say that, however you can, I want this far better life. I want this far better life, Lord. Give me this far better life. I receive this far better life. I thank you for this far better life. I'm in agreement with you. I want this. That is what I need. And I take you out of your offer. Let's pray together. Pray with me. It's a very simple prayer. I want us all to pray this together. Open your heart. Open your life. To God. and Just let him do his thing. Let him do his thing. Let's pray together. Oh God. Wherever you are. Pray with me. Oh God. I need you. I can't do this on my own. Today, I humbly admit that I am not God. (laughs) You are God. I thank you for loving me. Even when I didn't recognize it. So Lord, thank you for not only telling me the truth, but proving it to me. That your word and your promises for my life are for real. Thank you for proving that death is not the end of my life. And oh God, I thank you for loving me. Unconditionally. Today, I don't just want the good life, I want the far better life. I want every plan that you have made for my life, I want it for my life. Every promise you've made unto me, God, I want it for my life. Thank you. Lord, I ask you to drain all the fears out of my life. Fill me with your love. So that every day of my life, I'll be filled with more of your life. More of your love and less of my fears. As best as I know how today. Jesus. I welcome you into my heart. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming to die for my sins. Raising up from the dead. To purchase new life for me. 
I receive the gift of new life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for these precious gifts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Bless you.